Section two of the Rover, Volume One, Number Fifteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sonia. The Rover, Volume One, Number Fifteen, edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section two. Egypt by Mrs. Elizabeth Oak Smith, author of Sinless Child, etc there were giants in the land in those days thus in the very language of scripture one is led to exclaim when contemplating egypt the mother of civilization the cradle of the arts the one kingdom standing alone among the ancient things of earth the ancient among all that is old while its origin is lost amid a dark and obscure mythology egypt has lived in the magnificence of its own ruins to witness kingdoms and dynasties rise flourish and disappear under the unfailing progress of time and nations once the glory and terror of the earth fade away till their memory is to be sought in the remains of their genius their works of taste or the splendour of their ruins egypt remains shorn of her beams it is true yet does she live with a name as enduring as the materials of which her stupendous and giant-like monuments are constructed carry the mind back to the time when the tiber with its vines and olives glided in solitary beauty between its verdant banks and the seven hills crowned with vegetation to their very summits resounded only to the melody of the wild bird or the tread of the ferocious beast ere romulus had laid the foundations even of the eternal city and what was egypt then she had become ruinous with age her surplus population had centuries before carried the arts to other lands and peopled kingdoms that were the glory of the earth greece retaining the elements of egyptian greatness had remodelled everything with a lighter and more exuberant taste the superb grandeur of the original country had yielded to the elegant fancy of a refined and chastened judgment and arts and literature freed from the thraldom of a gloomy priesthood started at once to life like the fabled goddess armed and full-grown surely there were giants in the land in those days we involuntarily exclaim when beholding the stupendous works of human labour that date their origin to a period anterior to any certain records the mountain of solid granite has been excavated into an idolatrous temple and the chisel of the artist has wrought upon its surface immense figures of men who thousands and thousands of years ago figured upon the arena of life and performed the exploits there recorded there are the mementos of their greatness though their names have long since passed away and are forgotten yet there stand those colossal men the champions of ancient egypt living in imperishable granite looking from the sepulchre of centuries upon the generations that stare in wonderment upon them not one of whom can lift the veil which time has thrown over their name and deeds the history of the whole world so far as it is now known to man might have been written as it transpired upon the surface of the pyramids and yet the shadows of unknown times would rest upon their summits were these immense statues these stupendous works of human labour of which nothing certain can be known constructed by a race like our own if so the mechanic arts must have arrived at the greatest possible perfection and the population must have been numerous beyond conception or the length of time necessary for their construction would have been too great for the endurance of human patience 
to say nothing of the princely revenues required even supposing as was most likely the case that the inhabitants were mere serfs of the soil the passive slaves of despots of what grandeur of conception what vastness and magnificence of design must that people have been capable who reared those wonders of the world shall we account for these things in this way or shall we adopt the fabulous belief of titans and giants and pronounce the wars waged against the celestial powers no more than the mystical and figurative language of the ancients by which they would indicate the altitude of these gigantic structures the heaping of pelican upon ossa nothing more than the immense granite blocks torn from the mountainside to rear the pyramids was it so upon this supposition these works of art are no longer of preposterous dimensions no grandeur of conception no lofty imagination was required they had only to chisel figures after their own models and of the very material they chose and they would stand for the amazement of all succeeding ages they had only to exert their own prodigious strength and the pastime of the giants would remain the wonder of the world the pyramids may have been their observatories very probably under any theory they were the observatories of the strange people who constructed them we pass into syria into ancient greece into india and more wonderful still into the new hemisphere and we find analogous structures all of which must be referred to the same cyclopean builders who were they what were they who shall answer but it is of egypt we would speak we must go back to a period long prior to any certain chronology if we would even attempt to form a conception of the refinement and resources of this wonderful people we must violate the gloomy sanctuary of the mausoleum and catacomb be able to interpret the hieroglyphics of their decaying temples and wandering amid their time-honoured pyramids be gifted with a mental vision that penetrates the dim twilight of ages if we would solve the mystery of the early egyptians egypt amid the nations of the earth reminds us if we may compare great things with small of the old oak that has braved the storms and the changes of a thousand years and beheld sapling after sapling rise in its shadow grow to maturity and decay while its own form became but the more venerable with the moss of ages the parthenon the coliseum and the palace of the alhambra have each been the pride and glory of their respective nations and are now venerable in ruins but neither the elegant greek the stern roman nor the haughty moor could more than ourselves penetrate the obscurity that veils the builders of these vast edifices which vie in durability with the everlasting hills in the time of abraham egypt must have been great and powerful and the caravan on its way to memphis might have reposed under the shadow of the pyramids even as do the travellers of our own times for what purpose were these built they were undoubtedly connected in some way with the dark and mystical religion of the builders and as the priesthood monopolized the learning and wisdom of the age they might have made advances in astronomy which were concealed from the vulgar that they might the better operate upon their fears and superstitions it would be natural for a corrupt priesthood who by long and attentive observation of the heavenly bodies had been able to calculate some of their phenomena to endeavour to turn their knowledge to such an account and the fulfilment of their predictions with regard to the movements and appearance of the planets would naturally deepen the awe with which they would be regarded both by prince and people the facts that the faces of the pyramids always look to the four cardinal points and the entrance according to modern observation 
being upon the same side and the descent at about the same angle and precisely at the termination of the descent the visitor being able to behold through the entrance the north star these facts would seem to place it beyond a doubt that these structures were connected with astronomical observations it was here that herodotus pythagoras homer and all the wise and gifted of greece sat at the feet of an egyptian priesthood and imbibed those lessons of wisdom and knowledge which they were to convey to their own soil where touched by a livelier fancy and more elegant taste they were to produce works that remain to this day the wonder and admiration of the world let us imagine ourselves sailing up the nile when memphis and thebes were in all their glory and the pyramids unscathed by the hand of the barbarian sent back the flashes of the declining sun from their covering of marble yonder with a delicious dreamy motion is the royal yacht glittering with gold and bestudded with gems the gossamer's dreamers flashing like rainbows in the light here the gay barge darts by to the measured dip of the oar while innumerable barks made of the classical papyrus are filled with merry groups look away to the east and through the transparent atmosphere you behold a caravan on its return from distant india bearing gums and spices pearls and gems and costly purple in exchange for the grain and linen of egypt another from the west has crossed the arid desert with patient camel and fiery steed the whole consisting of a motley array of egyptian merchants arabian freebooters and sooty africans bringing ivory gold dust choice woods and slaves mark how the rays of the sun rest on the glittering tops of the pyramids and how like a vista their relative distances lessen as we leave cheops and saffranas far behind us upon every side is the appearance of a dense and active population every little lake is alive with boats and the innumerable canals are covered with all classes of inhabitants eager to enjoy the refreshing breeze that springs up as the day closes the palm the plantain and the gigantic sycamore wave their green branches while the graceful obelisk covered with symbolical representations lifts its taper spire to the skies the sacred lotus reposes its pure chalice upon the waters and fills the air with fragrance tall grain waves like a sea of green while the vine and the melon are flinging their treasures to the very river's brink gigantic statues like genii of the place overlook the river and their immense shadows create an awe almost amounting to terror as they stand with fixed features against the sky and now thebes mother of cities with its massive walls and hundred gates breaks like a spell of enchantment upon the senses a hundred gates so say historians but volney thinks we should read temples instead of gates and this perhaps is not an improbable suggestion when it is remembered that upon any signal event the princes of egypt were in the habit of erecting gateways which were in fact nothing less than costly structures elaborately ornamented with hieroglyphics statuary etc difficult of access of impregnable strength and forming the entrance to temples avenues or walks it is probable the monument to which cleopatra retired to die after the downfall of antony may have been one of these gateways mark how the beautiful acacia gleams in the midst of long colonnades and how the magnificent cornice that surmounts the lofty structure imparts to the whole an air of grandeur and durability heavy gateways are reflected upon the river on either hand and the elegant obelisk gleams everywhere through a wilderness of verdure the sacred ibis floats in a sea of blue 
and now alights upon the shoulders of the musical memnon and trims his long sable pinions yonder amidst an avenue of sphinxes that everywhere guard the temples of the gods is a procession of the priesthood slowly and sternly wending their way to some distinguished fane in celebration of their mystic rites dark bloody and mysterious must they have been as was the character of the people one can almost hear the shrieks of the human victim as he is bound upon the altar of the idol and now fronting the river on either hand appear four magnificent temples embowered in palms and sycamores and guarded by enormous sphinxes and gigantic statuary pile above pile rises the massive architecture of these gorgeous temples stretching away as far as the eye can reach but who shall dare describe karnak and luxor deir and midenet abu or presume to lift the veil that for ages has shrouded the mysterious worship within those walls as we gaze upon their superb gateways vast and covered with sculpture the shadows deepen and heavy cornice and massive pillars commingle till all is lost in gloom and obscurity and this was egypt ere homer sang or the penates of aeneas had found an asylum from being the mistress of the world the promulgator of laws and the distributor of knowledge egypt has been for ages sunk in servitude and debasement the hapless tool of any despot who might choose to make the land a field for his ambition but the sceptre of the persian the greek and the roman have long since yielded to the iron hand of the saracen and egypt appears ready once more to assert her dignity and regain her standing among the nations of the earth mehemet ali at one time seemed in everything but name independent of the port under his stern and despotic sway his people were emerging from the debasement into which they had been for ages plunged the commerce of the country was reviving her cotton and rice finding their way to european ports manufactories and schools were established improvements of every kind encouraged european tactics introduced to the soldiery and the pasha by an enlightened and judicious policy seemed about to restore egypt to some degree of her former splendour End of section two.